And um, then I'll grab, uh, there we go. Thank you very much, guys. We're pausing our Acts series just for uh, one more morning, and we're trying to start the year out strong. And so we're going for the Big Four in 2024. That's the series this morning. Uh, the Big Four in 2024. And you can have your Bibles open to Matthew 28. But last week we covered the first two of the Big Four, which was Worship Christ and Walk with Christ. Today we are going to cover the other two of the Big Four. And the first one is Witnessing, Sharing Your Faith with Other People. That's why we just heard that amazing testimony of a man, Jane's grandpa, who spent his life leaving gospel tracts, leaving Bibles everywhere, stamping his name in them, saying, receive Christ today. And he, he will never know until the end, when everybody, the role is called up yonder, just how many lives he impacted. But we heard one story of how one person's faithfulness helped to lead to the salvation of a person, and God in his providence brought that man together with the granddaughter of the person who helped him to get saved. I want you to have confidence that God will use you. He will use you and me to share the gospel with other people. And that's where we're going in God's word today. So as we get started here, I want to say a word of prayer, and then we will get into uh, the sermon together. Let's pray. Thank you for a wonderful story, Jesus, and we praise you and exalt you. We give you all the glory because you use your faithful ministers those, Lord, who preach the gospel every Sunday and those who go out, show the gospel with their words, and even restaurant owners who leave Bibles everywhere they go. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you can use us as we spread the word, as we sow the seeds. Lord, your word will not come back void. We praise you, Lord, and we exalt you. And we pray that you'd get us ready for a wonderful year and use your word today to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, a few introductory words before we get into the sermon. We want you to start the year strong. So we have tools for you in the lobby, including like a read through the Bible. You know, you've got this, you can chart your way through the Bible in a year and just check off the chapters as you read them. That tool, there's a goal sheet in the lobby. You can write out your spiritual goals. There's a giving plan. Privately, you can fill it out, have a plan, whatever your plan is, just with all your heart, give to the Lord. But you have, there's that worksheet. So there's all these different ways you can have a plan so that this year will be one of your finest years of spiritual growth ever. And one of the things I challenged you on last week was we were going to read through the Bible in its entirety over a three to four day period. This was Pastor Bob's idea. He had done it once before when he was a senior pastor. And I just want to convey, just as Pastor Stephen did, how proud I am of you for stepping up and saying, you know what? I am going to start the year off by helping to read through the entire Bible cover to cover through the night. And when we started... We had a schedule and everything, but there were holes everywhere. In fact, I was on the overnight shift on Monday night into Tuesday. And when I showed up, there was one name, one name on the schedule. And it was just going to be me reading the Bible for seven hours straight. And I sent out some texts and some emails. Hey, there's plenty of room. I'm the only one on the schedule with one other person. And I thought, I'll read the Bible for seven hours. I mean, I've never done that before. Do you know, throughout the night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 14 different people showed up throughout the night, and I didn't even have to read until 3, 3 a.m., because everybody was just showing up, taking one hour, two hours. They stayed for three hours, 
And that was just amazing to see God stirring the heart in his people to get here and to read the Bible. I think Jim is one of my heroes because he had to read, what was it, 80 different verses of names in Chronicles. 80 straight verses of names in Chronicles. And uh, God, God did some things that, that were truly special. There were people who showed up who read their life verse. It just, they just showed up and then, whoom, they're reading their life verse. There were some special moments. A friend of mine with the Send Network showed up. He lives in like Melrose Park, and he showed up to read, and it just so happened he read John 11, which was a hugely significant chapter in his life. Uh, Gary Wingles in the middle of the night was reading God Talk to Job about building the universe, and Gary is a handy guy, and just hearing the pillars and the doors and God framing it all out, I'm like, this is providentially beautiful. So maybe you have a story to share, and we're going to capture those stories in the weeks ahead. But my heart is blessed uh, that the father saw his children uh, wanting to hear his every word at the beginning of the year. So I truly commend you as a church family. Well, as we get into the sermon today, it's freezing outside. It's 35 below. And I am thrilled for those who are here and for those who are online. And this is the first winter I have a snowblower. Anybody else have a snowblower? First winter I have a snowblower. My dad got it for me. And so, um, unfortunately, I don't know how to aim it yet. I just, uh, my son's car is on the driveway. And, well, here's a video I brought with you just to share in this ice cold misery. There's me learning how to use a snowblower. See how I'm struggling to aim it? It's just all getting on my son's car. It's freezing out, it's icy out, and there is, <laughs> there is the misery of the outside. But getting to church online or in person is really a great way to make sure that we're starting the year strong. So I commend you for all of you who got here this morning, if your car wouldn't start right or whatever, but we are going to worship the Lord together. One more picture I have as we get started. At 3.30 a.m. when we finished our Bible reading through the Bible, I didn't know who would be here, but this is the parking lot at 3.30 a.m., uh, Thursday morning when we finished reading through the Bible. What a joy, what a joy. We're starting the year strong. Okay, so in your notes, the third thing you can write down, that's right, points one and two were last week. But the third thing you can write down as we start the year strong is this, witness for Christ with your words and actions. Witness for Christ with your words and actions. And we started in Matthew 28 last week, the Great Commission, which is where all of our DNA as a church comes from. But in Matthew 28, verse 16, here's what it says. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It says they worshipped him. We covered that last week. Jesus said, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we talked about walking with Christ last week. Today we're going to talk about witnessing for Christ. And it says in verse 19, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Going is 
witnessing, reaching out, telling the world the good news, how blessed are the feet of those on the mountain that preach good news. So we want to feel confident and courageous as we go and reach out to those who need to hear the life-changing message of the gospel. So the third point is witness for Christ with your words and your actions. We are all sent to go. And you're here today because someone went and told you the gospel. Who was it that told you the good news of Jesus Christ? Who was it that shared the gospel with you? Was it a Sunday school teacher? Was it a pastor? Was it a relative? Who told you the good news of the gospel so that you could hear and believe and be transformed? Was it a co-worker? Was it a friend? Someone went to you. Someone told you. Maybe you heard it on the radio, Greg Laurie, right? Maybe you heard it uh, at a Billy Graham crusade, but somebody told you the good news of the gospel, and you believed, and God saved you by his grace. Witness for Christ with your words and your actions. For me, I've got a few pictures from my background. For me, my uh, my bass player in my heavy metal band, Andy, on the left there, he shared the gospel with me. We had known each other since kindergarten. And in college, high school, we were in a heavy metal band. And there's me in the top playing the drums and in the bottom. And it was the bass player in my metal band that shared the gospel with me. We would be out in the forest, drunk, many nights, just talking about stuff. And he uh, had a background of being a Christian, and he told me the good news of the gospel. And I fought every step of the way, not believing any of it. Eventually, I got baptized. Here's the next picture of me with the pastor, Pastor Scott, who led me to faith in Christ. And uh, he became an instrumental father figure in my faith, brought me into ministry. And he's still a pastor out in the Wheaton area, and we are in the same network, the Send Network, wanting to plant churches all around Chicago. He's the one who would drive down to meet with me at a coffee shop and answer all my questions. There was a new thing back then called America Online, AOL. So I could search, took forever, but I could search for hard questions about faith and find atheist websites. And he would listen and ask questions back. That's when I got saved. These are the men who helped to lead me to faith in Christ. Witness for Christ with your words and your actions. God will use you, and he'll use me. Jot this down. Pray for those on your hit list. Pray for those on your hit list. The Bible tells us that prayer is essential in bringing souls to Christ. We started this Pray 52 challenge last week. There's still some blank decks in the lobby. But if you're looking for a way to add some clarity and consistency to your prayer life, right? Rather than you kneel down and you're like, I don't even know what I'm going to pray about. Grab a deck of those cards or order them for four bucks on Amazon and write out one major prayer request a week for 52 weeks. And then each week that, that every dog gets its day, that card gets its week, right? And then put it back in the deck. You keep praying through all of them. You don't wait until week 35 for that one to come out. You keep praying through all of them, shuffling the deck, but you know, you number them. And so each card gets its whole week. And I would say in that deck, there should be names of people who are on your hit list. People who you're like, Lord, save them. Save them. On one of my cards, I'm going to put all the names of my neighbors that I know, right? And I'm going to just go through that for a whole week. Lord, save them, save them, save them. That's one way that you can pray through your hit list. 
In Romans 9, 1 to 3, it says this. Paul's talking about the Jews who largely rejected the Messiah. He says this. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Romans 10.1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Do you hear his heart? Do you hear his broken heart for the lost? In your heart is there great sorrow for those who are not going to heaven. In your heart is there an unceasing anguish, a groaning for those that you know are not ready to stand before the judgment seat of God? Is your heart full of sorrow and full of anguish for those who don't know Christ? Too often as Christians, we feel like it's not our business to get involved. Don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics. And therefore, we don't have love for the lost. We don't have a heart for those who are not going to heaven. Because we give ourselves a free pass. Say, well, it's not my responsibility. We're afraid of how they might react. Or, and this is something if you find in your heart that you've got to deal with, you think they'll be okay probably. I mean, you know, they got a different thing. You know, maybe they don't, but I mean, God will probably just be okay with that. And you've got to dig down to the roots of your heart and realize that that's simply not true. They're going to hell. You have to face that. On your watch, they are going to hell. And it's eternal conscious torment. And you can't erase that. You have to face it and then be filled with the love of God and reach out and tell them the good news that God loves them and he did something at the cross that could save their soul forever. And you can't control the reaction you get. But are you full of great sorrow and unceasing anguish for those in your neighborhood and your workplace and in your family who don't know Christ? Or have you somehow exempted yourself from that obligation? Pray. You won't pray for them if you think they're okay. Pray for those on your hit list. And don't give up. Unceasing anguish. Don't give up. I know that there are some here, you've been praying for your loved ones for a long time. Your spouse, your child, people you've known. You've been praying for them and it just hurts almost because you don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, with God, all things are possible. Do you know God's heart for the lost? He has a father's heart to rescue his children. That's why he sent Jesus down. Do you remember the video I showed last year of a father receiving his son back who was uh, stuck in, in, in an earthquake? He got trapped in a building. Check it out. These are, this is a video of the rescuers saving this child. There's the father. Oh, how happy the child is. 
Look, that's the heart of God. You can go ahead and stop it. The heart of God is to rescue, to save, to pull out from the ruin and the rubble of earth. So when we share the gospel, we're in there. We're, we're trying to be a part of the rescue effort. Are you praying for those who are on your hit list? Do you have a hit list? And are you full of the, the aching love the Father has to rescue those who have fallen to ruin? If that fire is not lit, I would get on your knees and pray for yourself. I would confess and repent and say, God, I have no love for the lost. God, I have no love for the lost. God, I have no love for the lost. Change my heart. That's where it begins. Pray for those on your hit list. And then jot this down. Invite people to church regularly. Invite people to church regularly. This is the power of personal invitation to come and hear the word of God. People are searching for something greater than their life is giving them right now. Google can tell you into the billions exactly what people are searching for. And each year, Google puts together a, a summary of the most uh, searched things on earth. They know what people are looking for. So check it out. Here's a picture with four of the summary years that they put out there. In 2019, people were searching for heroes. Marvel movies coming out. A lot of people getting rescued from stuff. Ironic that in 2019, people are searching for heroes. And then in 2020, the global pandemic comes. And then people search for why. A lot of why searches. 2021, no surprise. How to heal. Listen, this is, this is millions of people typing in the same thing. How to heal. 2022, can I change? Can, can I change? Had to face the reality of me. Spent a lot of time at home with me. Can I change? The aching, yearning spirit within is shown in the digital realm. And people all around you are searching. They don't know where their unhappiness comes from, as one person said. You have the hope. So when you invite people to come to church, hey, why don't you, why don't you come and learn about God? They're searching. They're desiring more. They know they were meant for more. In John 1, 43 to 46, we learn about early on how the disciples were finding Jesus. And Philip is really awesome, because Philip in the Bible is always bringing people to Jesus. So in John 1, 43 to 46, it says this, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? So there are some cities in Israel that had a reputation all right, are there cities in the U.S. that kind of have a reputation? Uh, yeah, Chicago, Vegas, you know? I mean, there are cities that have kind of a reputation, you know? And Nazareth had a reputation. Really? Really? Out of, 
out of, out of Nazareth? Out of... And Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. It's so simple. When you invite your neighbor to church, when you talk to your co-worker, hey, do you, have a, do you have a place to worship? Come and see. Come and see. You don't have to sit him down and read through Romans. Look, I'm, I'm going to teach you everything that the Bible says so you can get saved right here and right now. What? Come and see. Why don't you just come check it out? Most people don't have a church, and those that do don't have a church that they're really excited about. How many people throughout your week are like, let me tell you about my church? People are like, eh, I have to go. I don't want to, right? Or they even, don't even go. Most people don't have a church, and there's not a lot of people talking about how they love the church they go to, if they go. So if you're like, man, you should come. You should come in here. What? You go to church all the time? Yeah. And you like it? Yeah. Weirdo. That's so weird. So if you just say, come and see, you got to hear the Bible, people are going to be like, huh, huh. And they might be like, Nathaniel, what? See, today people are like, can anything good come out of church? Right? Why would I go there? I've got stories. Can anything good come out of church? Invite people to church regularly. Jot this down and ask to pray with people. Pray for those on your hit list. Invite people to church regularly. Ask to pray with people. This is only a two-point sermon, by the way. So that's why I've spent a little extra time on each point. Ask to pray with people. In 1 Timothy 2.1, it says this. First of all, then... I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. First, see, prayer often is our last resort. Did we try this? Yeah. Did we try this? Yeah. Did we try this? Yeah. Well, then we better pray. Prayer is our last resort. Prayer needs to be the first offense. First thing we do. And pray for all people. When you're out there, remember I shared with you that I was challenged at a conference I went to last year in Arizona because there's a guy got up. He owned a, he owned a factory that made like car wax or something. And, and yet he got saved radically and he decided to use his platform in business among car guys. Everywhere he went, he made a decision that he was going to share his faith once, at least once a day, every day. And for 50 years straight, he did it. 50 years straight. And I'm sitting out there like, whoa. Man, this is amazing. And he had such joy. He said, look, sometimes I just say, can I pray with you? And I, I pray the goodness of God. And I, I pray for something in their life, tell them about the goodness of God. Other times they ask to hear my story. Other times we sit there for an hour and we open the Bible. He's like, but he said this, if you lack joy in your Christian life, start sharing your faith, start praying with other people, and there won't be a day where you lack joy again. And I was like, I'm not doing this every day. So I started a routine more and more. I would just ask, can I pray with you? Is there something I could pray for in your life? And people just like that you care. Yeah, actually, we're going through this. Yeah, I'm carrying this. Why did you say that? I need that today. One of the ways you can share your faith is just to ask people, can I pray with you? Is there something in your life I can pray for? People generally like it when you're trying to be good to them. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. What if you made it a goal this year 
Every day to just ask somebody, can I, can I pray for you? Is there something I can pray for in your life? Maybe that's as far as you get. Maybe it starts a conversation. I like asking the Uber driver early in the drive if I could pray for them because they got nowhere to go. <laughs> They're stuck with me and I'm paying for the time so they don't want to drive fast. Although sometimes they speed up when I start talking about God. Ask to pray with people. There was an older lady in our church last year and she was in and out of the hospital and uh, she's, whenever I'd visit her in the hospital, she was happier than I was. She's wearing those hospital socks, and somehow she's happy. And she, she would say this. She'd say, I'm on assignment. God's got me here. Somebody must need to hear the gospel. I'm on assignment. What a mindset. Ask to pray with people. Here's a quote that I've got about prayer. That's one of the most powerful quotes that I've carried with me. Uh, from an early church, 400 AD. The potency of prayer had subdued the strength of fire. It had bridled the rage of lions, hushed the anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course. Prayer is a treasure undiminished, a mine which is never exhausted. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. Wow. John Newton said, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Ask to pray with people. Write this down. Share your story with people. Share your story with people. Your story brings great glory to Christ. We, of course, launched the Find God Again website last year where people have already recorded their testimonies and we want more people to do it. Psalm 45 says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Will you proclaim and tell of them? We carry, uh, collected response cards to the sermons last year, and people wrote out their stories. You can share your story with people. One woman wrote this. I was at a low place in my life. A client who was Baptist answered some questions I had about God. I started Going back to church in 2008, accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. One person wrote, I thought I was okay with God when I, was, when I changed my behavior as an adult. My son got saved in 1985. Seeing and hearing his behavior and beliefs made me realize he had something that I wanted. Got saved in 2019. One guy wrote, I was raised Catholic when I was 16 to 17 years old. In 1970, I was afraid of going to hell. I got down on my knees beside my bed and said, God... I don't know if I'm going to heaven, but please get me there. I was led to Elam Baptist Church in Chicago. Where I heard the gospel, believed, and was baptized. What's your story? What's your story? Share your story with others. So number three, witness for Christ with your words and actions. Pray for those on your hit list. Invite people to church. Ask to pray with people, and then share your story with people. Number four, write this down. Work for Christ in the church and in the world. Work for Christ in the church and in the world. So worship, walk, witness, work. The four W's is, if you want to start the year off right, these are the big four. Work for Christ in the church and in the world. When it comes to working, let's face it, we all find ways to be lazy. Am I right? Like we don't like work. We kind of try and get out of it. One of the things I found that kind of shocked me was they now sell dog beds for people on Amazon. Did you know this? 
Did you know this? Check it out. As if we needed more ridiculous comforts in this age, there is the human dog bed for $152.99. It's on sale. You can enjoy the next level comfort, apparently. This is just, of course, kind of like the thing that might make the trumpet sound, if you ask me. They're now sleeping in human dog beds. We get lazy. We want life easy. We don't want to work hard. Titus 3.14 says this, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. If we are careless, we're going to be unfruitful. God can use you. Sometimes people don't work for Christ because they're like, I, I can't use me. What am I going to do? God can use you. Here's a picture that went out on social media that kind of went viral. Check it out. God can use you. Thomas was a doubter. Jacob was a cheater. Jonah was disobedient. Sarah was impatient. Peter had a temper. David was an adulterer. Abraham was a liar. Moses was angry. Paul was a murderer. And Lazarus was dead. Hey, if God can use them, he can use you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you willing to work for Christ this year? Jot this down. A helpful acronym, if you want to work for Christ, is your shape, knowing your shape. If you serve in line with how you're shaped, you'll be more joyful and more effective. You'll be more willing to serve. So the acronym of shape, we'll just put that up on the screen. Here's the acronym of shape. See, S-H-A-P-E. Your spiritual gifts, those are abilities that the Holy Spirit grows within you. Usually there's speaking and serving gifts. Those are the two big categories. There's a bunch of spiritual gifts and you will find the Spirit generating giftedness and ability in certain areas. So know your spiritual gifts. Know your heart passions. So these aren't spiritual gifts that are on the list, but you might have a heart for the poor. You might have a heart for adoption. You might have a heart for something, some, some people group. You might have a heart to, for children, you know, but what, what are your passions? What are, you, what are you inexhaustibly passionate about? That's your heart. Then your, there's your abilities. You're good at certain things and you're bad at other things. Then your, there's your personality. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? It, and then your life experiences. And I don't mean, have you been to Honolulu? I mean, you know, like, are you a cancer survivor? Have you experienced loss? Are you, like, what have you gone through that makes you useful to serve others? Knowing your shape and serving in line with that will give you a greater joy and effectiveness as you work for other people. Yes, there are going to be times where you're kind of mismatched and you're like, well, I don't have the gift of parking duty when it's 35 below outside. <laughs> Nobody does. So we all have to do the common things, but knowing your shape will get you down a path where God can use you to make a great impact. Who do you know that can help make an impact in the kingdom? What can you do you know, First Peter 4, 10 to 11 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Your service glorifies Christ no matter what you're doing. Jot this down. So join a ministry team. Join a ministry team. When you get onto a ministry team, you get to serve a purpose in the church. 
At one point, we calculated it took over 100 servants to get church done throughout a given week. When you calculate the Awana team, and the children's ministry team, and the worship, and the tech, and the small group leaders, and hospitality, add it all up, and it was taking, I don't know what it is now, 100 people saying yes to serving Christ to pull off one week of church. Imagine if none of those 100 people showed up. So we need an army of people to say yes to serving. And to doing whatever it takes to helping other people encounter Christ. I love this picture. Here's a picture of our tech team from years ago. And there was a light out. So on a Sunday morning before church, this was the tech team. They erected this scaffolding, which was not sturdy, got up there, and they were changing out a light to make church possible. So who knows what you're going to do But are you willing to join a ministry team and to find out the different places where you can serve? We actually have in the gym today, someone's going to be there with a clipboard. They're going to tell you about where you can serve Christ. So we'd love for you to say, tell me more about where there's a need because I want to work for Christ. Know your shape. Join a ministry team. And it doesn't mean you have to be flashy up on stage. You know, whatever you're doing for a king is worthy of the kingdom. You're doing it for Christ, and therefore you're bringing glory to him. I love this quote by Frederick Faber about serving. Brightly colored sunsets and starry heavens, majestic mountains and shining seas, and fragrant fields and fresh-cut flowers are not even half as beautiful as a soul who is serving Jesus out of love through the wear and tear of an ordinary, unpoetic life. I love that he sees the beauty of someone who loves Jesus so much, they'll serve him in some way. Do you have that love for Christ? And do you realize that all all service to the king is meant to benefit other people? It's not for you. It's not for me. You're doing it for him, right? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill in doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Are you working for Christ to bring glory to him? Join a ministry team. And then finally, jot this down. Take action when a service opportunity arises. There'll be a variety of times you can say yes to going out in the community for a relief project or coming into church for a, for a work service project. You'll hear throughout this year an opportunity. One year when the hurricanes hit Houston, uh, we, in the morning, sent out a text saying, It's heartbreaking to see these people stuck in their homes. Churches need help in Houston today. So we sent out a text saying, we're going to send a team tonight. Meaning nobody who left on this team at night woke up knowing they were going. And we sent out the text. There are churches that we are partnering with that are calling out for help. And there were probably 14 or 15 people who showed up that night to drive through the night and get down there and get to work helping people clean up their homes. They answered the call. So when you hear a call, will you say yes? Will you take action when a service opportunity arises? In Nehemiah's day, they had to rebuild the wall. And an ancient city without a wall had no defense. No de- anybody could come and just take advantage of you. So here's a picture of the wall that they were building. This is actually in Nehemiah's day. This is part of the wall that they had to rebuild. This was all around the city. So imagine you showing up to that in a pile. And you got to rebuild it. In Nehemiah 3.5, it says, And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but listen, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. So there are all these people just kind of watching the work happen. It's 
just watching the work happen. I'm not getting my hands dirty. They wouldn't stoop to serve the Lord. And it was written down in the Bible. So will you answer the call to serve the Lord? And as we close out this introductory series to this year, the, are you committed to the big four? Worship, walk, witness, work. If you nail it down and you say, I'm in on those four, it's going to be a great year. No matter what comes your way. If you are committed to these, it's going to be a great year. One final quote from C.S. Lewis as I invite the worship team to come on back up here. Let's remember what we are going for as a church. C.S. Lewis says this, enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you say yes to worship, walk, witnessing, and working for Christ, you will make a difference in this world and in this church. So let's consecrate ourselves together, and let's say yes in this year to the big four together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, as we start...